Hi, dreamers. This is Lucy, and welcome to another episode of the Self Made Expats with Lucy Jan, where I interview expats from all across the globe to share their inspiring and motivating stories. Today, I am here with Carla Briones. She is a Mexican-Canadian entrepreneur and business strategist. She moved to Canada from Mexico when she was 18 years old, and now she is an immigrant serial entrepreneur. She has her own consulting firm to help immigrant entrepreneurs launch, grow, and scale their business successfully in Canada. And she also is an owner of two global pet stores and one fresh store in Canada. Not only that, she also is a TEDx speaker, a small business columnist at Ottawa Citizen, and she also works as an independent contractor at Invest Ottawa, as well as an independent business advisor at WorldSkill Implement Center. I mean, the list goes on. I am really excited to chat with her today and hear her story and her journey and really learn from her because I am a newbie, entre- newbie immigrant entrepreneur, so I'm sure there are a lot of things I can learn. And I hope, you know, I'm sure you listeners will learn a lot from her as well. So welcome to the show, Carla. Thanks for having me, Lucy. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, so... I do have a lot of questions, but I have to ask this question first. How do you do this all? <laughs> That's a great question. I actually get asked this question quite a bit. Um, so the actual businesses, like the bricks and mortar businesses that I own, I have a fantastic team. I've been running them for almost 13 years now, and I've been able to build an amazing management team where I don't necessarily have to um, be working in the business, but mostly on the business. Um, so yeah, so I, I couldn't do it without my team, without my business partner. So that's sort of like taken care of. I mean, I, I'm still involved, but I'm not involved in the day-to-day operations of the businesses. It took 13 years to get to that spot, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then everything else, I just, um, I guess I'm someone that is, uh, I, I'm just hyperactive. I just love creating i just love new ideas and i love contributing so i guess i i just i have to be very organized (laughs) yeah no i was like really impressed because running just one business alone it requires a lot of energy a lot of time so i was yeah i saw that you were even writing an article uh, I was like, wow, this is like amazing. So I, I had to ask this question. <laughs> okay. So um, I I learned from your TEDx that you were, so you moved to Canada when, sh- when you were 18 years old mm-hmm. uh, in Mexico, from Mexico. And I learned from your TEDx that you were a ballet dancer for a long I time. I was, yeah. Yeah, in Mexico. I love dancing. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I'm not a dancer, but like I love dancing as a mm-hmm. hobby. So can you share with us, you know, why you started ballet and how was your journey as a ballet dancer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I started ballet when I was three years old. Um, and it, I, I honestly started because my parents put me in ballet. You know, when you're that old, you don't really make that decision. They make it for you. Uh, but right around the time that I was maybe 12 years old. So I've been, you know, going to ballet for quite some time, I started getting really serious about it. And uh, it was less my parents having to take me to ballet and more 
me really wanting to just live and breathe ballet all the time. So I really love the the discipline that it taught me. I really love the 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 team environment because I I had you know I was in a um, in a group environment with my classmates and it, it these classmates I literally grew up with them so they were my second family and it was sort of um it was an environment where um you know there were some routines or some variations that I needed to learn that were extremely challenging and just being able to you know to transform my body and transform, you know, music into steps and being able to achieve that variation. It was just a, it was just a rush and, uh, and just a rush of being in, in front of an audience. And it was just a rush being able to look at something that initially used to, you know, it would seem impossible and then being able to do it. And it was just, it was just amazing. It was just, it was a great time in my life. Oh wow! I just like imagine you in a stage dancing. <laughs> I, I loved it. I used to love it. I um I think at the height of my career, I was dancing maybe. So I was going to school full time. So high school was when I junior high and high school was when I was really serious. Um, and I was dancing. It was ridiculous. I was dancing like four hours every day, Monday to Friday, and then wow. eight eight hours on Saturday. And then eight hours on Sunday, and it was a commitment. So it was so I had to be very disciplined too, because I also had school, right? So yeah. if I had like group assignments and whatnot, I had to be super disciplined to see, um, you know, when I would go to do my group assignments and my homeworks and all of that to make sure that I'd be able to fit everything in. <laughs> but um, but I, you know, that's all. That's that's how I grew up. That's all I knew. And 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 being busy and and just working towards a specific goal was always, you know, that's how I grew up. Was always in my in in my life. Wow, I think like being disciplined is so important. It's like crucial skill, and I guess like that's why you can do so many things. You know, like, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because I had to, right? Like, and and I was in a school as well that it was very demanding, so I had tests and exams and homework, and it was it was not by any means a, an easy school to be in. And I was there with a scholarship because it was a private school, and my parents didn't have the means to mm-hmm. um, to pay for that school, so. I was basically paying for it with my grades. So I needed to keep really good grades in order to stay in that school because it was a very, very good school that I, there was no way my parents would have been able to afford without that scholarship. So again, it was like pressure. And and I guess I grew up living under pressure because it was always pressure, Mm -hmm. pressure, pressure. And I guess I thrive. And -hmm. and whenever there is a slow moment now in my life, I get bored and I'm, and I Mm -hmm. feel like it's almost like my body's predisposed to, pressure (laughs) which sounds kind of crazy well I think that works really well as you know for an entrepreneur you know um wow thanks for sharing yeah no problem Uh, yeah so um so after so you were in Mexico well you lived in Mexico until junior high you know until 18 years old 18 yeah 18 yeah okay and then after high school after you know at the 18 years old you and your family moved to Canada could you tell me more about you know how the journey started yeah so um I'm from the north of Mexico which is um, a city called Chihuahua and yes that's where the little dog comes from (laughs) um so and it borders with Texas and right around the time when we immigrated which was the late 90s um, early 2000s, 
Um, that's when the drug cartels and the drug mm. wars that you see now in Netflix, you know, and, and like yeah. those, <laughs> yeah. um, that's real. So that was real. And that's unfortunately, that was my reality. Um, and, and the violence and the insecurity and the just the constant um, fear of being a bystander and getting shot and killed with, uh, you know, like um, sometimes there would be like gunfire um, fights that would happen from like the different cartels and whatnot. And if you were just like a bystander there, you could die. And anyway, so it wasn't a very safe place for a teenage kid to grow up in, obviously. And my parents wanted more for us um, mm. and they wanted more for themselves as well. My dad was a, is a veterinarian, now retired, but he had his hospital there. And the situation wasn't, he was now getting threats from uh, different sites, trying to get um, him to pay like security fees to like the different cartels and whatnot. So it, it became, um, it became really um, just, it wasn't a fun place to be anymore and it wasn't safe. And, and we, my parents assessed the, well, what does the future look like if we stay here? There is no opportunity. There's no like light at the end of the tunnel. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so that's when my parents decided to leave everything to sell their business, sell the house, sell absolutely everything and move to Canada. So they applied to become or reapplied as a family to become permanent residents. Um, and I guess about a year and a half later, that was when there was not that much back backlog like there is now in the system. It took about a year and a half to get our um, our permanent resident visa. And as soon as my my mom, my dad and my middle brother, they came to Canada slightly before my mom, my other brother and I came because I still I was still in my last year of high school and um mm. So I needed to finish high school, right? So my mom stayed behind with me and my older brother as well uh, until I finished high school. And then I, I graduated in June and July 14th, we were in Ottawa. So it was wow. crazy. Yeah, we drove from 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 Chihuahua all the way to Ottawa, which was like seven days in a U-Haul truck. It was crazy too. Um, it was quite the adventure. And uh, yeah, so we... There was not a lot of time from the moment that I graduated to the moment that I came. Wow. Uh, your parents are really brave. I mean, they are. They yeah. are. And I think I think that's that's a common thread with all immigrant parents, right? Because they all leave everything behind. They all leave mm. a country that they love, but for one reason or another, yeah. they, they don't see a future or they see a brighter future for their kids somewhere else and they leave it it's like the ultimate sacrifice right so yeah. yes they are very brave and I have a huge you know example on them because they, I mean it, it took a while for them to um to get settled but uh, but it's thanks to them that you know mm. I'm so grateful it's thanks to them yeah. that they've been able to to get a better future the future that they wanted us to have yeah, yeah, I agree. Because like, moving to a completely new country alone is already very challenging. But at a later age, like, just they like, were in they, their late yeah. 40s. So my dad was yeah. 48, 49. And my mom was two years younger. So she's two years younger than my dad. And wow. yeah, my dad had already had his veterinary hospital in Mexico for over 20 years. Um, so he had his clientele, he had a reputation. 
Um, my mom was a school principal, like a very wow. well-known school principal. So they had their careers, right? Like yeah. they, they had everything laid out, but you know, the, there was the, the, the future wasn't looking too bright in that part mm-hmm. of Mexico, unfortunately. And yeah, they, they were extremely brave in leaving everything. Wow. Yeah. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so how about like, so y- you were 18 and you moved to a completely a new country and I don't know, like, you know, when we are at that age, friends are very important to mm-hmm. us. And it, it must have been very difficult to say goodbye to your friends. How how it how was. was it for you? Yeah, it was. Um, uh, You have to remember, I was in this special school, right? Like I was in this mm-hmm. private school where, um, again, my family was a hardworking family. We were not wealthy by any means, though. Um, we didn't have the connections that a lot of people need in order to get ahead in Mexico. Um, so we were like a middle class, hardworking family, and we had hit the limit in terms of um, wealth, if you want to call it something. Mm. Um, and everybody else in my school, though, were extremely wealthy because it's rich private school right and all of my friends were leaving all of my friends were going to europe all of my friends were going wow. to, they were going to the states they were going to just do post-secondary education in different parts of the world so for myself i felt like okay you know like i'm also leaving so mm. i wanted to fit in in that you know part oh, of the the, the clique but so everybody was leaving so it was it was uh, i think there were only a few ones who who, who stayed um, it was sad. It, it, I think at 18 in, in that time when the situation was the way it was and the safety and everything, it was actually like, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm leaving. Um, mm. and, and the entire family, we didn't know what we were getting into. We didn't know what Canada was. We, my parents had only been once. I never been to Canada. Um, and it was just like a big adventure. I think for, for, for myself as an 18 year old kid, it was a, it was a huge adventure and, and it was exciting. Um, God, I can't even imagine what my parents must have felt. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you you and your family moved to Canada. And then um, you went to Carton University in mm-hmm. Canada. And you studied <laughs> journalism. And actually, <laughs> I double majored journalism. Oh, you did? So, oh. Yeah, but I double majored. Yeah. So. <laughs> When I saw that, I don't know why, but I always drawn to people who studied journalism in some way, like journalism and communication. You were even like a dancer as well. So I was like, wow, (laughs) I have so many questions. (laughs) So I saw that you studied journalism. I was wondering like, oh my gosh, why did you choose journalism? How was it? Yeah, I I had so many uh, questions. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, like I think about it and I still don't know how I did it because the the journalism program at Carleton University is a really tough one. And they take in mm. something like 200 students at the beginning of the year, and but they only accept 100 for year two. So your grades, what? yes, it's very competitive. So wow, I had no idea. Yeah, wow. so your grades have to be like really good in order to make it to second year in order to get accepted first and then oh uh, to second year so thankfully my grades were good because I had a scholarship so I needed to have good grades so my tra- my transcripts were good my English was good enough for me to get accepted into the school but it was 
high school English, right? So mm-hmm. it's like when you learn French in high school, like it's high school French, but go to university in a French university and try to write university essays and journalism mm-hmm. stories in French. And it's, yeah. So it was so tough. It was, I thought that my English was good, but there would be like, I would be sitting at the front of the class with a dictionary in my hand because yeah. I could still not understand. And then for some reason, I decided to take Canadian history. It was a, a prerequisite um, or a mandatory class. And I decided to take it on year one. Oh my God. I knew nothing about Canada. Yeah, of course. That was my worst grade because I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at like the, the syllabus and I like, to me, everything is new. So I'm like, Canada yeah. 101 in my first semester, I think I got a terrible grade. That was my worst grade. Um, and then, yeah. So, and then in terms of I, back in the day, like I wanted to fit in so bad and I didn't have a lot of friends. I actually had very few friends in that first year. It was a terrible year. Um, I, I, like I studied, that was it. That's all I did. I was in in Mm. my, um, in the library and, and I studied and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and then my accent, um, it's, I've worked on it a lot lately, but at the beginning, my accent was really bad. And I would tape the CBC radio and then I would try to mimic CBC radio to try to work on my accent. And oh my God, no, it was a lot of work. (laughs) It was a lot of work. And the thing is that I didn't make it to second year by like something dumb, like half a mark or something like that. Oh my God. One of my classes, my favorite class in my first year university was women's studies. And I remember looking at, at the classes, it was an elective. And I'm like, women's studies, that sounds, that sounds amazing. That sounds kind yeah. of weird. Like, what do you learn in women's <laughs> studies? I'm coming from Mexico where it's a very like patriarchal, so yeah. male-dominated society. So I, I ended up loving that class. Like, it was the class where I discovered feminism, where that word was actually introduced in my language, where I discovered women's rights where I discover that there, there there's an actual movement about women's rights yeah. I discover so many things and I was just so um immersed in that class and I was participating and I loved that prof and I was um I was always like asking a lot of questions because it was a new world to me the whole you know women movement world from as a Mexican girl who live very isolated and you know in a in a very patriarchal family as well so my grade in that class was uh, my final grade was like a minus so I did really well wow. in that class and when I got the letter telling me that unfortunately you didn't make it to second year because you know oh. you're like a half a mark away from oh. it I actually went in and found out the phone number of that prof the women's studies prof and I said can you change my mark from a minus to a because that's all I need to get into second Oh my gosh, what a story. (laughs) And she did. And it's thanks to that professor that I was able to make it into second year and then the rest is history. But yeah, it was, my first year was so tough, was so tough. But um, who would have known that class women's studies, that it was a complete discovery for me as a human being and as a woman is the class that was able to give me that pass to second year university. Wow, I... (laughs) My jaw dropped. I just have so many questions. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. But like the first thing I want to say is like, you know, 
I think you're really a go-getter because, you know, when you saw that grade, like A minus, you were like, okay, I'm just going to ask her and ask her to give me the half mark. Then I can get into the second year, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think like not, some people wouldn't even think about that. You know, some people will be like, oh, I'm, I, maybe it's not for you me. You know I'm what not... I was most afraid of? I mean, it's I am a go-getter, but I think the, the, the one thing that I was most uh, terrified was to disappoint my parents. Because um, as a first year student, uh, permanent resident student, I didn't have access to any student loans or any OSAP or anything. So my parents actually paid for the entire first year out of their pocket. And it was all, it was a big expense for them. And they yeah. told me, we can only afford to pay for this first year. After that, you're on your own. So, but then after that, I was able to apply for student loans. Um, so I think it was also the, the, you know, the, the feeling of, oh my God, my parents paid for that first year and I mm. don't want to disappoint them. I'm going to disappoint them. And I'm going to, I mean, I'm disappointed about myself too, but I, I just don't want them to think that they made a huge mistake. So yeah, I, I think my parents were a big uh, getting my parents like disapproval was a, a huge um huge like a gasoline to that fire mm, yeah I mean and, and also when I like when I just hear your I mean like you were saying that like you were trying to fit in so much uh at the first year at the university and your accent you worked a lot on your accent and I don't really notice your accent at all you, you sound like 100% Canadian like like, like a person who yeah worked and worked yeah <laughs> yeah and I remember it was in my I think in my third year of university I took radio um yeah. and I was petrified and my radio prop was like a super well-known CBC radio um journalist really well known and she, she was intimidating to me to begin with and when I <laughs> And then she was like, she was doing some one-on-one -on -one coaching on, on, on how to speak on radio and poor woman, I feel so bad for her. And I still <laughs> think about her because I remember that when I was going to start speaking, I just started crying <laughs> and she didn't know what to do with me. She was, she's like this, this particular professor. She's like one of those like hard professors. Like she has like mm -hmm. no feelings and is yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. there, there kind of person. Yeah. Um, she had no clue what to do with like this emotional yeah. child that was crying yeah. because she hated her accent and she didn't want to sound different. And then she's telling me, but you know, sounding different is good. And you know, in Canada, <laughs> we, we accept people that sound different, but you have to understand that I grew up in the north of Mexico that's very close to the States, and I mm. received a lot of racism because of my accent um, oh. by the Amer through the American border. Whenever oh. we would go in and they would listen to our accent, we would get the racism, we would get the, the, the racist slurs. The, mm. So I... I had this trauma. It's like, oh my God, yeah. people are going to hate my accent just the way they hate my accent in El Paso, Texas. <laughs> so I worked a lot on it. <laughs> yeah, I bet because your accent now is like just Canadian. And then, and, then, and then I also, I read your article at Ottawa Citizen, the writing, it was like, oh my gosh, it's like, just Canadian journalists. That's how I felt. I was like, wow. How? And because I was thinking, wow, she probably worked a lot 
on this because you moved to Canada at 18, which is like adult age almost. It's not like five or six, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah, it was Yeah, was the writing, I had a professor, Professor Roger Bird. He was brutal in the editing. He would be oh. like editing like WTF Briones, this makes no sense. So it was like, oh, oh my God, go back and like reading my style guide, you know, you know, all that fun stuff. Uh, CP style. Um, and yeah, so there was, there was a lot, there, there were, there was a lot of studying and not a lot of partying. I can guarantee that. (laughs) Wow. 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 Okay. So after graduating from university, um, so you, I saw that you worked for, you worked in uh, public relations Mm -hmm. uh, for quite some time, around six years. Uh, how was working in PR and, you know, mm-hmm. and then, and then from PR from, and then you were working for companies for about six years and then you started your own business after that. So how was that transition and how was yeah. that journey? Yeah. Yeah. So when I um, graduated, I've realized that I in my head, I internalized because I, I was surrounded by remember this program, I think there were 200 that started in year one and 80 of us graduated at the end. So I was surrounded by 79 brilliant, Mm. brilliant minds, extremely talented journalists. Like it was mind blowing. And I was one of the very few visible minorities, if not one of the only ones. Um, Mm -hmm. So I always felt at a disadvantage because these people were incredible and, and there are some of them, a lot of them are famous journalists now. And I always felt at a disadvantage, but my advantage was people. I was always really good with like connecting with people and the relationship building and all of that. Then I'm like, well, maybe public relations is a good um, segue for me. So I ended up going to Toronto and uh, did a postgrad in public relations at Humber and mm-hmm. then got a job right away. And I loved it. I loved it because it was dealing with the media relations. It was media oh. relations. So it was dealing with the media and trying to pitch media and write press releases for my clients. And um, I loved it. I absolutely adored it. I, I worked for a lot of consumer um, electronic, like Bell Mobility and um Sega like back then wow. like Nintendo and like I did a lot of oh, consumer Nintendo, ele- yeah yeah a lot of consumer electronic leapfrog for kids anyway so I did a lot of consumer electronic and I loved it and I was traveling um and then and then I got a dog right then then actually the re- the way I got the dog is actually a cool story because we were my husband because we I, I got married fairly mm-hmm. young um, and so we were living together in Toronto and then I was working in public relations and then I decided that I wanted a dog. Like I want a dog. I want a dog. And when Carla wants something like there is no, <laughs> you're going to get it. <laughs> There's no turning back, but we were young. We were newly married. We, I still have my student debt. We were living in Toronto, which is very expensive. Yeah. Not making a lot of money. And, uh, so I remember when my dad, um, moved to Canada, his fir- one of his first jobs was selling insurance. I was one of his first clients. <laughs> so he sold me a oh life insurance. He sold me a life insurance at 18. So um, so anyways, I'm like looking at my life insurance and I'm like, maybe I can cash my life insurance and that's how I can get my puppy. Everybody wow. thought I was insane. They were like, you will never, I was paying like 20 bucks a month for like a $250,000 life insurance, which I would never get this rate ever, right? So everybody's like, 
you are insane. Do not cash your life insurance mm. because of a puppy. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> I have like $1,500 accumulated in my life insurance. I'm going to cash it and I'm going to buy my puppy. And everybody, like the, the insurance company, like there were alarms everywhere. <laughs> everybody was saying, no, my goodness, like this is what, like you're making the worst mistake of your life. So wow. I cashed the life insurance and I got a puppy. And I fell in love with my puppy and the puppy became my firstborn child. The puppy became our practice child. The puppy, like I became like my, my, like my whole being was about my puppy. And then one day I was like, maybe I want to open up a pet store. Maybe I want to give my puppy a pet store. Maybe that's what I want to do. And at that time, that's when my parents were opening their hospital, like as my my dad eventually recertified and my mom and my dad became the team and they opened their practice and I was going back and forth from Toronto to Ottawa because they, they stayed in Ottawa to help them lay down floors and to knock down walls and to get like you know like yeah. helping basically build a mm. practice and entrepreneurship the beauty about it is that it can be contagious right so mm. you see an entrepreneur and you want to be an entrepreneur you hear about them and their stories and you so want to be there so that happened to me I was seeing the excitement of the family the excitement of my parents and I'm like well now I want to have my own business yeah <laughs> now I'm only two <laughs> so I went back to Toronto I remember one time and I was pregnant at the time I was like I had just found out that I was pregnant mm. and I was talking to my parents on the phone. I'm in my corner office because I did pretty well in, in the six years. So I was yeah. Like, well, you got a corner office. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm, pretty um, big achievement. Yeah. yeah. I was on a fast track in PR and then I was, wow. I was thinking about, you know, I wanted to start a family and I was like, well, I just, um, I don't know if this is the career for me to, to start a family because there's a lot of traveling. So I was thinking, I was already thinking of a way out of, of mm. that career. And then I remember calling my parents and saying, you know, guys, I have to tell you something. Um, All I want to do is to open up a pet store. And then there was silence on the line. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to disappoint my parents. They're his. Like, they gave up everything for me to go to journalism school. And now all I want to do is open up a pet store. (laughs) And then after the silence, the awkward silence, they were like, so why don't you? And I'm like, that was my my reaction. That was like, (gasps) really like it was it was like that validation I guess that I needed from my parents and making sure that I'm not going to disappoint them because it's an immigrant child the last thing you want to do is disappoint your parents um yeah and I think that was the that was a catalyst of everything else I'm like yeah so why don't you and it was actually um it was a great lesson for me too because my parents wanted to open a clinic and and seeing them going through everything that they went through to get there, like to open that clinic because they, we lived your typical immigrant experience. Like it wasn't fun. It wasn't pretty. And they conquered, right? They did it. And, mm. and to them, it's like, so why don't you? You've got everything in your power to make this dream a reality. You're, you're in, you've got certain advantages. You've been educated here. Um, you've got a network here. So go for it. Like what's stopping you? and wow yeah and then uh, a year later I was en route (laughs) so moral of the story to all of the naysayers that (laughs) cashing my life insurance was a bad idea (laughs) it is because of that dog that I decided to become an entrepreneur to open a pet store and it is really now the business that is putting food on our table and a roof over our head oh wow 
first question that I have is when when you were trying to cash out your uh, life insurance, a lot of people told you, "Oh, don't do it. That's uh, that's crazy. Don't do it." How, how did you do that? The after, like you know, when we are starting something new, a lot of people tend to say, "Oh, yeah, that's risky. That's." Uh, you know that's not easy. Don't do it. It's you know it's not a good decision. Blah blah blah. A lot of external sound. How did you kind of like ignore? I guess because in- I was so naive. I I guess mm-hmm. in retrospect, I had no clue until now that I'm older and that I have life insurance that I mm-hmm. had to re get like re re reapply for, and then realizing holy crap, life insurance <laughs> is expensive. <laughs> But I think my naivete was helpful in that moment to kind of turn off the noise. Also, I think innately in general, immigrants, we can be, we can have a very high tolerance for risk. Um, True. I mean, we leave everything, right? So we're pretty much risk takers. So to me, it was a risk that I, and I really wanted that puppy. (laughs) And I didn't have money. That was my money. But I think it was more that I I was naive. Like I didn't know. I didn't know what, how, you know, in retrospect, it wasn't dumb because it wasn't dumb. But like how dumb, you know, that decision could be if it was a wrong move. Right. But Mm. but I think it was my naivete that that helped. (laughs) Mm. Wow. But it worked out. So that's that's all good. (laughs) Okay. So. Now uh, you opened uh, your, is that the Global Pet uh, Food Store? Correct, yeah. Okay. Then uh, how how was your, so you opened uh, a shop in 2009. Mm -hmm. And how was your first year? I'm asking this question because I don't know. um, I don't know about how how your experience was. But like for me, at least, the first year is probably (laughs) a lot of like emotional roles. That's a good way of explaining it. See, the thing is that when, okay, so I, so we were living in Toronto and so we had to move back to Ottawa to open the store because I had, I was pregnant when I made the decision. I had a newborn when, so I was on my maternity leave when I came back to Ottawa. So in that maternity leave, I used that year, I used that year to work on the business plan, to find Mm. a location, to do the construction, so on and so forth. So the day that my kid turned one was the day that we opened the store to that was our first day <laughs> of operation yeah. so that first year was an emotional roller coaster times two because it's learning about the business but also I'm a new mom right like well my kids yeah. one but still like I'm a I'm the mom of a toddler and I don't know what I'm doing in either part of my life right so it was it was really tough. There were a lot of sleepless nights. There was a lot of worry. There were a lot of times where I didn't know if I could pay rent or pay my yeah. staff <clears throat> uh, or pay myself. Uh, we were living at my parents' basement um, to save money, and uh, it was it was tough. It wasn't easy. It was not easy because I had never owned a retail shop. I had never even worked in a pet store. Mm. I just wanted to have a pet store for my dog and I was so happy that my dog was coming to work with me um but I made a lot of mistakes I made a lot of mistakes um I was I can't say I was healthy back then like I was like yeah I wasn't sleeping well I wasn't eating well uh but I was also a new mom so Mm. there was a lot of pressure um yeah 
to and and also all of our eggs were in that basket so we had purchased a home in Toronto so that's my dog as I okay. <laughs> <clears throat> I had purchased my dog as I mentioned uh, sorry my uh, my home in Toronto and uh, so we sold the home and the profit was invested into the business and we begged borrowed and stole to help us with a little bit more and then we had bank loans and we had you know a lot of all of our eggs were there where um, failure was not really an option so you make it work right Uh, yeah my dogs are going crazy right now (laughs) (laughs) so okay but yes it's been Wow. But yeah, I mean, it's been over a decade since you run your your stores. Now you have like two uh, stores. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your uh, biggest lesson or the or I guess the better question is if you now you you know, you've been in business over a decade. So now, you know, OK, you know, you have a lot of lessons learned. If you can go back in time in 2009, if you can meet Carla in 2009, oh. what would you want to say to her chill girl chill <laughs> there's no oh my gosh <laughs> I, would chill. Ever. <laughs> I would say chill girl like <laughs> yeah and and and, and like back then I, I i am still very um um spontaneous and i'm still like a like a fire ready aim type of person like i shoot mm. and then i kind of plan for it uh, which can get me into a lot of trouble sometimes but I'm less so than I was before um, so what I would do is probably take your time I would say don't open the third business which is a restaurant <laughs> God. Um, uh, I still open barely with COVID but uh, yeah so I would say chill I would say take your time I would say uh, you're doing great and I would say you're a good mom because many times, mm. many times, I I still do sometimes. I've questioned myself. Oh my god, am I am I messing up my kids? Am I a terrible mother? Um, mm. Am I I don't know. Am I am I messing them up? <laughs> and I you know, I'm, I'm, because I'm not your traditional mom, whatever mm. that traditional means. Like you know, there were a lot of a lot of missed birthday parties and not for my kids, but for like my kids' mm. friends' parties. There were a lot of missed uh, play dates. Um, there were a lot of missed um, things that kids normally do when they're kids. Mm. Um, but they, they, we couldn't manage the time and we didn't have the time because we were so busy in our business itself. So I would say, chill, you're doing great. Your kids are going to be awesome. And uh Keep doing what you're doing. Oh. <laughs> so now, and don't open the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so now, with all your experience and expertise, you are the go-to expert for immigrant entrepreneurs. And um, tell me, like, about like, do do you find any specific characteristics in immigrant entrepreneurs? Because yes. I, you know, you, you've been working and helping so many immigrant entrepreneurs. So tell me, tell me about, tell me about it. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, similarities, I guess. Once the immigrants, so it's two ty- there's two types of uh, immigrant entrepreneurs. It's the immigrant entrepreneurs that um, haven't arrived to Canada yet, but they're 
in the process of getting their PR and they want to hit the ground running. That's one type. Then there's another type. Um, and these are like extremely go-getters. They know what they want. Mm. They're, um, they, they just need kind of like guidance on what, what are the businesses that would work here and how to do it properly so that when they come here, they hit the ground running. Then there is the other type of entrepreneur, which is our immigrant, which is the immigrant that's been here and that has not had a lot of luck in getting a good job. Um, they're underemployed. They probably have, um, um, they have like what they, we call um, survival jobs. So not, not something that they are mm. happy with. There are a lot of really highly educated people, but perhaps their credentials are not valid, like my dad mm. initially or my mom. And uh, their uh, characteristic, their in, like their amazing characteristic is their resilience. So they're resilient people. Mm. They will, um, they're slower in the uptake or they're slower in the deliverables, but mm. they're very resilient. They will stay mm. on it, stay on it, stay on it. And it'll take them a little bit longer, but they will do it. They're, they're ridiculously resilient. Um, mm. So for the ones that are not in Canada yet, they're like risk takers, go-getters. Like it's, they want it fast. Mm. They usually mm-hmm. also have the, the they, they have the means, they have the finances. The ones that are here, uh, many of them, they run through their um, their savings. And mm. it is sort of like a, not a last resort, but just uh, as a way to create their own jobs and self-employment and create their own destiny, which is at the end of the day, that's what having mm. a business is. Their, their main characteristic that I've noticed across the board is resilience, which is again, something that you must be and have in order to be a great entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Resilience. That's the, yeah, that's, that's the key. And yeah, I, uh, I agree. (laughs) And um, I saw, uh, I saw on your website uh, that you have this uh, great program for immigrant entrepreneurs. I don't know if, if I pronounced correctly, but it's idea yeah, i don't know idea. how do you idea, idea. Just like I, idea. I was like wow that's so cool yeah, yeah so it's it immig- for yeah immigrants yeah. developing entrepreneurs academy so idea idea okay mm-hmm. correct <laughs> so could you tell me more about that program because i mm-hmm. so some of the uh great testimonials that you know people that you helped so i i'm sure because like i'm an immigrant in canada i moved to canada in 2018 pretty recent oh, wow and uh i know you know, a lot of immigrants in Canada have a dream to have their own business one day, but they just don't know what they, sh- you know, what they want. What they, they have an idea, but I feel like they, they don't know what, where to start. But even for me as well, like even simple things like how to open a bank account, business bank account to a more complicated stuff because I had no idea because mm-hmm. it's new to me. Yeah. So I'm sure, you know, you exactly have been in business for over a decade. Yeah, yeah that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what it is. So um, just a little bit of background. I, I ended up uh, going into business consulting and um, niching into the immigrant population. I, I do business consulting for all entrepreneurs across the board, regardless if they're immigrants or not. But my love mm. will always be immigrants. And the reason why I started with immigrants was because when my dad was about to sell his clinic, he actually made a huge mistake when he was setting it up 13 years prior that that mistake almost cost him his retirement. 
um, because we needed to backtrack a lot of taxes that were done wrong, a lot of filings that were wrong, were done wrong, everything. Like he had to um, uh, fix a lot of mistakes that could have been avoided had he had someone showing him how to do it properly from the beginning. Um, so he lost a lot of money from his business. And that sort of, that was three years ago, three, four years ago. Um, and that's the moment that was a catalyst for me to say, I wonder, I wonder if anybody's doing this. I wonder if there are, there's anybody actually helping immigrants mm. set up properly. And at the time there wasn't much, there were actually, there was nobody and nothing available. Recently, there's been a lot uh, of settlement agencies kind of like introducing some entrepreneurship programs. Um, their programs made up by non uh, for profit organizations. So the, the curriculum is a bit different. Mm. Um, so, so that's when I decided that that's what I wanted to do. That's it. That's my calling. I, I've acquired over a decade of experience and networks yeah. and um, how to's on different types of businesses. Uh, why don't I share that? So I created this yeah. program and it's basically in seven weeks, I take somebody with little to no business experience in Canada or anywhere um, through the process on how to do it properly here in Canada, mm. because it also varies by provinces. Um, mm. There's a few nuances that vary from province to province. Um, and when you're on the internet trying to search, all of a sudden you have like 20 oh my windows open and you lost the track of like, what was I looking for at the beginning? Right. So I'm trying to avoid that. So basically I, I did a lot. It took me like a year to come to, to, to make this program, but my guides and my workbooks and everything is all like you get direct links for everything, regardless of where you are. And, um, so it's pre-recorded videos again, and it, it takes you step to step by step from idea, business idea generation mm. to all the way to how, uh, how to hire, how the human resources world mm. works in Canada contracts so on and so forth so and everything in between so how to register your company properly how to open a bank account um, oh how gosh, to set yeah. up your accounting system oh um, yes yes and everything and the cool thing is that they're so they're pre-recorded videos um so it's seven and it's scope it goes by cohort i try to do it by cohorts instead of just oh, opening it all the time nice yeah and the reason is because there's a lot of touch points from me so it is. Mm, oh, that's great. Yeah. So the videos are pre-recorded and they're released on a weekly basis. Every so it's seven modules and each module gets released on a weekly basis, so that we don't overwhelm you because <laughs> mm, it's a lot yeah. of information, right? And then um, every week, in the middle of the week, there is a live session with me um, where yeah. we, where all of the students join or who, like the students that want, they can join in live. Um, and they can ask questions or cl like clarification, ask me to clarify uh, stuff from the material. Um, and, uh, and that's the part that I enjoy the most, right? Cause that's where I actually get to meet my students mm -hmm, where yeah. I can, where I can get to know them. There's a private community that I have where they can also mm. ask questions, uh, introduce to each other, introduce themselves. Um, and, uh, and I see everything I can answer questions as well, but it's basically what I want. There's two things that an immigrant on entrepreneur normally lacks at the beginning which is the information yeah. uh, actually three things the information the network because sometimes you don't even know where to go like do you know an accountant a trusted accountant a lawyer and whatnot and guidance from somebody who knows right so, so true so the videos are the information is the know-how 
And then those weekly meetings, I use them and the community, I use it as a network, you know, just to build the network and to introduce immigrants to other immigrants that want to open businesses. Mm -hmm. And then in the weekly live sessions, um, you know, they get support from me, but then I also Mm -hmm. bring guest speakers that are successful immigrant entrepreneurs in the different areas that they want to open in. So if I, and I, I, yeah, so I usually see, okay, they, I have a few students who want to open, I don't know, in the retail space or in the e-commerce space. So then I bring immigrant entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. they have to be immigrant entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. that are already doing it so that they're able to grow their network ask them questions and basically make a connection with somebody who's mm-hmm. already doing it, who understands what it's like to be an immigrant as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and I've done that and I've also brought in like immigrant uh, entrepreneurs that are lawyers, immigrant entrepreneurs. That That's are really helpful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Because then there's all of a sudden, I also have like someone who is a banker who does like business loans, who's an immigrant, right? So yeah. he understands that immigrants perhaps feel a little intimidated when you go to mm. a bank to ask for a business loan. So he gets it because he's an immigrant and he felt that I know. Before. Yeah. So it adds that layer of sens- sensibility and, and mm. that adds the, uh, empathy as well. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it starts growing my students network because then now whenever they need a loan, they have a contact on mm. LinkedIn that hopefully they made the connection and they can go to that person, even if it's just to ask questions, yeah. uh, if they need a lawyer, same thing, accountant, same thing. So that's sort of what I'm trying to build. It's not just giving the information, but also providing the support, the one-on-one support mm-hmm. and providing a network to, or helping them build their network in, in the entrepreneurship world. Wow. I mean, this is so valuable because it's something that you you built over like over 10 years and you're giving this like within seven weeks. I mean, it's a lot of work uh, that you did and uh, information also like when I open my business in Canada, oh my gosh, you don't, <laughs> the amount of hours mm-hmm. of research that yeah. I did, if if someone like you can just help me, hey, Lucy, just watch this, this and you, you're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That will save tons of time for, for me and for so many people. And time is money. And we don't really think about like how much time we spent. And it's actually money. We can actually work on our business mm-hmm. while researching more things that we are not like very, very expert at, you know? Um, and, and also network as well. Like, uh, knowing right people is exactly. so key. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is so valuable, I think. So yeah, yeah. And it's again, it's I, I, I build this course as, cause I talked to my, my parents too. And I was like, what, what would you w- would have wished to mm. have had when you were starting and they gave yeah. me their list. And then I had my own list because even though I'd been in Canada for a few years, when I opened my business, I didn't have a lot of friends cause I didn't, I didn't have many friends in university and then when you go to work, you know, and then you become a business owner, you don't have friends. Um, yeah, it's lonely. It's very lonely. It's very lonely. <laughs> I know. Oh so my gosh, yeah. I, I went through my own set of problems and my own set of lack of network. So for me, network mm. and, com- and community was very yeah. important just because I didn't have that when I was you know, oh my starting gosh, yeah. my own business. So, mm-hmm. and again, I'm good with people. I, I love connecting with people and I love connecting one person to another person and see the magic mm-hmm. happen. So how can I create that in, in, in a program that is going to help others build their mm-hmm. own, you know, generational wealth? 
Wow, you are the connector. That's yeah, like, I hope so. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are. I guess. Yeah, you are. I, yeah, I think so. Okay, so how how people can reach out to you to find out more? Um, yeah. So the about the programs, you can. So there's two ways. You can go to my website. Uh, it's probably the easiest, which is carlabriones.com. Um, and if you want to find out about the programs, there's a couple of tag, uh, um, a tab that says programs. Just click on programs, and and you'll see all the information there. But if you just want to reach out. The easiest is through my website, carlabrianas.com or on social media. Got it. I'm going to link everything in the show notes. So awesome. for ev- everyone who's thinking of, you know, building your, you know, opening your business in Canada Amazing. or anywhere, I don't know, in yeah. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay. So my last question for you. So I asked this question to all guests. So um, what is your favorite book that you'd like to recommend to our listeners or new entrepreneurs or yeah a, a business book you mean or any any, any, any book, book. Any, yeah any book just your favorite book that you'd like to recommend uh okay so on the personal development side of things and this for fun um the it's called untamed by um glendon doyle it's amazing it's an amazing book. I, I heard that book is it's, it good it is fantastic I um so because I'm busy <laughs> um mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of time to sit down and read but mm-hmm. I'm a big audible fan oh. like I read quote-unquote I love audible too yeah. many audiobooks just because I can do it when I'm doing errands and whatnot so untamed is actually a fantastic audiobook it's an excellent audiobook yeah so i highly recommend it um and then in terms of a business book for anybody like actually you would benefit from this book it is yeah it's a great book um it's called profit first i actually have it here so and it's by mike mccallowitz so profit first is awesome specifically for those that are kind of intimidated by the number side of things of business um it's a great little book uh it's a great system to manage your you know business finances um so yeah so i i recommend it to everybody whether you're just starting out or if you're a seasoned entrepreneur it just provides a really cool perspective different perspective on how Mm -hmm. to handle your money and your profits in your business actually Carla I purchased that book when I first started my business it's such a great book <laughs> this one yeah probably okay, that's great yeah. okay <laughs> that is awesome isn't it good it's such a great book it's it gives a you a really, different perspective really on, the, yeah. on the whole aspect of business management or like money management so yeah because Amazing. like yeah yeah yes thank you thank you for saying that i forgot about that book uh and then now you mentioned it was oh my gosh yeah that's such a such a great book i learned so much because awesome. finance is not my parte or yeah. not and every entrepreneur you know loves numbers like like at counter level right so mm-hmm. great book well that's it for today's interview is there is there anything that you'd like to say before we wrap up uh, yeah, just like if it's obviously there's immigrants that are going to be listening here. Um, I would say that don't give up on your dream. If you're, if a business dream is a, is, is something that you've been wondering about, don't give up on it. And that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that it doesn't have to be, you know, I, I need to quit my job to start my business. It doesn't have to be that way. The beauty about, at least in Canada, is that you can start it as a side hustle. You can start mm-hmm. it as a seasonal business. You can grow it organically. You can start small and then build it to like that beautiful restaurant with chandeliers, if that's what you want. <laughs> um, 
So <laughs> don't give up on it. And, um, and I would say done is better than perfect. So, oh my gosh, sometimes, so true. Yeah, sometimes so true. we get like in the analysis paralysis or in the mm-hmm. it needs to be perfect before I launch it. It doesn't just launch it, launch it ugly, baby. <laughs> just start, just launch it ugly and then tweak it on the way and, yes, uh, yes. and iterate, iterate, iterate because it's never, ever going to be perfect. I, oh my gosh. Amen to that. I hundred percent agree with you. Yes. hundred percent. Wow. <laughs> Thanks so much for your, for your time today, Carla. It was amazing talking to you. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Lucy. I really had a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us this week. Hope you learned something new from this episode and now you are motivated and fired up to make your dream come true. Make sure to share with others who might need to listen to this podcast because this is something they needed to listen to to be inspired. We never know. Lastly, be sure to subscribe and follow Self Made Express with Lucy John on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I will talk to you very soon. Thanks for being here.